Making Her Way introduces you to the brilliant, ambitious women behind some of your favorite products and asks them to share their motivations and the practical strategies they've used to achieve their goals. In each episode, we discuss the exact process of bringing a new product to market and to success. Join me as we discuss design, manufacturing, sustainability, and modern marketing. My name is Sarah Lidwell Darnan, and my goal is to bridge the gap between up and coming product creators and the women who are out there already changing the world. Sophie Lavabra Barrow and Marie Lavabra are the co founders of Kin a clean beauty and home products company that launched in 2017 with a collection of organic body care products and vegan plant-based home cleaning products. Their launch was a huge success, and within months they were stocking Harrods in London and then Waitrose, the UK's most upmarket supermarket chain. In 2018, they expanded their product line to include plant-based laundry care, and their main focus now is home cleaning and laundry products. Today, I'm speaking with co-founder Sophie, who lives between Switzerland and the UK. I'm really looking forward to learning everything she has to tell us about the practicalities and challenges of creating a product line like this, how she is steered to such visibility and success in such a short time. Hello, Sophie. It's absolutely lovely to meet you today. So, before we get started, could you please introduce yourself and tell us what it is that you do? Hi, Sarah. It's lovely to be here. Um, I'm Sophie, and I am one of the co-founders of Kin Living, which is a company that makes um, eco-friendly cleaning products and organic body care. And uh, yeah, <laughs> here I am. Fantastic. And what is your range of products? So our products consist of, we've got certified organic body care. We have a body oil, bath oil, a body lotion and a body wash and these are all based on aromatherapy and then we extended the principles of aromatherapy and using essential oils into our cleaning range and in our cleaning range which is vegan it's eco-friendly bio um biodegradable as well and these are we have washing up liquid kitchen cleaner which is also actually a multi-surface spray so we're thinking of renaming that because that was silly on our part um a bathroom cleaner a floor wash, we have a glass and stainless steel cleaner as well. And then we also have um, vegan and sort of eco-friendly laundry care, which we just have at the moment, a, a fabric conditioner, delicate wash and a laundry detergent. Amazing. That is a huge range. Yeah. So what was the original inspiration for Ken Living? So the original inspo for Kin really actually came from, um, so, so I'm one of the co-founders, the other founder is my mother. And um, the inspiration for Kin really just came from our family upbringing. So my mother, when she was younger, used to go and spend all of her summers on her grandmother's um, house in France and sort of on the farm and stuff like this. And then funny enough, when I was little, I used to get sent to go and stay with my mom's grandmother. So my great grandmother. And um, again, like same similar thing with the cousins outside, sort of leading a very natural life. It's in the south of France. And it was very simple. Like if we got stung by bees, we would use lavender essential oil and stuff like that. And yeah, like we we had 
chickens from the farm, which isn't vegan, uh, obviously. <laughs> but it was a different time. It was the 90s we had, and uh, and things like that. So it's very much our, our family upbringing was to be quite natural and organic. And I noticed when I got to uni that a lot of changes were happening around food and the way that people were treating food. And it was becoming much less of just like a you need to eat. So here's some food and people were more experimenting with what you can actually do with food and ingredients. And people cared more about what we were eating and putting on our bodies, but no one was really thinking too much about what we're actually using in our homes. So it's like, if you're going to the trouble of using organic, then why are we still covering our houses in bleach? Especially when you don't need bleach. I mean, citric acid is a really amazing disinfectant, and that just comes from lemons. So, <laughs> I mean, there's a bit more to it than just like getting a lemon and rubbing it all over your worktop. <laughs> but it's um, yeah. So, so for us, it was just sort of bringing together what we were quite used to in a way that actually addressed the problems that we found that the cleaning industry was just being left behind by everything else that was happening. So. That's amazing. And what was the very first thing that you did when you came to that realization that there was a gap? What did you do first? So the very first thing that we did was actually register the company, which was why it was registered so long before we even launched it. Um, because And it's registered. It's not even like the name of what we trade under. <laughs> we have a different company name, which is our trading name. Um, so we did that. And then we went and brainstormed for a name. My cousin, well, my mom's cousin, so second cousin, um, was also involved at the very beginning, but she went off and became like an amazing children's illustrator author. But she helped us to actually brainstorm the name Kin. Um, and from there, as soon as we had our name, the, then we went and we registered like everything, website, social media accounts, and just really locked down the name so that we had time to work on what Kin would then be. But we just knew that Kin encompassed what we wanted to do on the whole. Yeah. Okay, so you didn't start off with manufacturing then. So what, no. <laughs> how did you handle how did you handle product design and manufacturing when that stage came around? So we're quite lucky with our products. So we um, obviously we use aromatherapy and we blend this with science to make our products. And um, my great uncle, so my mother's uncle, actually was a pioneer in aromatherapy in the United States, and I think he was actually one of the founders of the Aromatherapy Association of America. So from him, we actually had a lot of ingredients for the organic body care already. And um, because he had done this before, we sort of knew how to approach factories for body care. So we did go to a, a factory for the body care and um, we, we got samples made. We were, we were quite lucky to get in there because now they would not, I don't think they manufacture for, for people who were just placing tiny orders like us. Um, so that was quite daunting actually to go in there. But we went in there with our inky listings. But then with the... Um, the cleaning products, it was a whole different ball game because obviously we couldn't lean on our uncle. We, we had knowledge from aromatherapy for essential oils to use. But aside from that, we were like, okay, we know vinegar cleans, but how do we make a product that can actually go on the shelf? Um, and that was just a lot of Googling and a lot of research. And it was at times, I think I just went down like this massive Google spiral for like days on ends, just looking at really random companies. Uh, I wasn't even sure if they were manufacturing what I wanted at that point. And just like sending emails off, phoning everyone. It's just like someone must make cleaning products. And it transpired that I was just even Googling the wrong search terms to find what I wanted. Um, but in the end, we did. We found a couple of manu uh, manufacturers and we just uh, booked in to go and see them. And again, we were quite lucky with, with small runs. It's quite hard to find factories that will work with smaller runs. 
Um, and we were really, really um, keen on staying in the UK as well. So that really limited who we could go with, but they're definitely out there. It's just literally, it's a, just prepare to sit on Google for an insane amount of time. (laughs) And why is that? Is it that they don't have comprehensive websites or is it that they do all their work by word of mouth? Why are they so hard to find, do you think? I I think a lot of it's word of mouth. Um, So once, once you sort of get into the sphere, then you start hearing about like, our body care factory said to us, oh, but you, you need bottles. Why don't you try here? And we were like, we haven't even come across them using Google. So <laughs> it's definitely there's there's word of mouth between obviously not uh, competitive factories, but like looking for bottles or this or that or the other. Um, it transpires that they do all talk to each other and sort of pass you around. And um, but also I think their websites just a lot of them just haven't got good websites. So you just can't, they don't have keywords. You can't find them very easily. I think it's got a bit better since 2015, 16, when we were first looking. But And, and also, obviously, a lot of com- uh, manufacturers make products for other companies and they don't advertise that they do that. So you can't just take a product and be like, oh, where is it made? Because most likely they're not going to tell you that they make them. So it's also a bit difficult to find that, but... Yeah. So how did you join you? So you mentioned bottles and that the factory passed you on to the bottle maker. So how did you piece together the packaging, the labeling, the design, like all of that? How did you order that whole process? Yeah. So we actually, um, funny if we didn't end up using the the bottle company that our manufacturer recommended just because it was um, a bit a bit more expensive for us. But we did find a really cool factory, which is in the um, it's around Peterborough. Everything's around Peterborough, by the way, for manufacturing. It's really random, but it's all there. <laughs> it's like, sometimes we drive up to see our cleaning manufacturers and we're like, oh, look, it's the bottle people. Like, just drive past them. Sounds really sad, but <laughs> the stuff you get excited about when you go on this journey. And um, yeah. so, but um, I think a lot of these factories are used to working with each other. So they, they do actually, they're so much more helpful than you think that they would be in terms of getting it organized and understanding how you have to get one component from here to there. And um, so that was really helpful. I mean, just honestly, once you can get in to talk to someone, they'll really help you and hold your hand, which is brilliant. And then we also, for the designs though, we worked with a designer who um, really helped us just there. She, like she, I mean, I just don't understand what all these print colors and this means and stuff like that. So I think without her, I would have been sending off a lot of non like lined up correct images to the printers and it would have come back just like all wonky and terrible. And I'd be like, why is this wrong? And they'd be like, because you didn't set it up for print. So I'd be like, but what do you mean? Set it up for print. <laughs> you just print it. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had those exact conversations. Um, so tell me, how did you get your first 100 sales? Oh gosh, so our first 100 sales. Well, my um, fiance, boyfriend at the time, was our very first customer. The second we put the website live, he ordered. So like, <laughs> oh, thank you. And my stepdad <laughs> came in second. He was like, "But I wanted to be the first person ordering." <laughs> Too slow. <laughs> So, but the first 100 sales were definitely friends and family, sort of word of mouth, getting people to just uh, talk about it and organically come to the website. And we also um, worked with a PR company to just for the launch to really get our name out there. It was a piece of advice that we had from 
a couple of friends who were launching a supplement company at the time. And they just said like all the advice that they kept getting was save a bit of money and just spend it on PR to really help you organically. Like obviously you, you get the PR, but then it organically helps your website grow a bit better. So, um, but yeah, everything like the first 100 were definitely just friends, family, word of mouth and like a tiny bit of ad spend on, on Facebook, but we weren't really sure what we were doing there either. So, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And what happened? When did you start to feel that this might actually happen? And how did you respond to that? Oh, gosh, I think the, the first time I felt like it might happen was so I, I came back home originally with this idea when I, when I started uni to my mom and she was like, no, you have to finish uni. It's fine. You know, you can wait. Blah, blah, blah. And then eventually I just kept going on and on at her. And she was like, well, if you put together a business plan and an idea, then I'll think about it. So I came back to her with that. And she was like, Oh, actually, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. I know. <laughs> no, it sounds pretty bad. Um, no, she, she'd already wanted to do something with the organic skincare anyway, because she had tried to do something in the 90s. Um, but just through one reason or another, she never did it. So she was quite open to the idea. And, um, and then actually, uh, quite sadly, my grandfather passed away, which was obviously really uh, I was about to swear. I'm sorry. Really awful. Now I'm laughing. It's about... I'm really sorry. I was about to swear really badly. <laughs> Swearing is actually okay. Okay, good. I don't know. <laughs> Can I swear on here? So, yeah. So my so my grandmother passed away, which was pretty crap. Um, and it was, but he, he left my mom some money and I think in the end she just thought, you know, he can be part of something that there's a bit of a legacy to. So she decided to put some of that money into Kin and that's when I was really like, oh God, she's like serious about taking this idea seriously. And then we got external investment from our first angel investor. And that was when I was like, okay, I need to put uni on hold and actually focus on this now because it's, it's not just like a side idea anymore. I really have to give it my 100%. The plan had been to actually go back to uni, but like X amount of years later, I'm still like, oh, maybe I'll finish it. <laughs> I don't think I can anymore, actually. <laughs> I think it's been too long. <laughs> let's go back and start again I've only started it twice so far (laughs) so how did you then make the leap to working with retailers so working with retailers it's a bit of a funny story we always thought we would be online and we would focus on online sales especially because you know we we would watch like Frank Body and all of this just do amazingly well and we were like yes definitely that's what we're going to replicate and uh, turns out that that's actually incredibly expensive and difficult to do. So we sort of thought, okay, maybe we should expand our horizons a bit. And um, we went to Balance Festival, the first, the first one that they did at the Truman Brewery. And there, Harrods came to us at the stand. And that's how we got into Harrods, was uh, just literally through that. And then literally three months after we launched Kin, we got an email from a buyer at Waitrose and at first I thought, oh, this is this is spam mail. Like I've clearly accidentally signed up to like a Waitrose inbox. Like I'm just getting promotion stuff. So I was like, oh, I'll look at it later. <laughs> I'll carry on through all my important emails for the day. And then I opened it in the afternoon. I was like, oh shit, I really should have opened this sooner. This is amazing. This is the buyer asking us to come in and talk about our products. We were just like, oh my God. So I phoned my mom and we were just like both screaming. Like I was on the balcony at my fiance's and my mum was at home and the dogs were in the background like, ah, what's going on? (laughs) 
So, um, so yeah, so Waitrose came to us and we spent ages prepping a presentation for them and everything like that. And uh, I think it's just, it sounds too good to be true. This is honestly just that I think luck was on our side. We got there and we walk into the room and there's this big presentation, why Kin should go with Waitrose. We were like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> Surely we should be like, why Waitrose should be taking Kin. <laughs> Wow, so, um, that's but at, yeah, at the time, I think they were really looking to sort of, you know, eco-friendly was picking off and picking up. And um, the, the buyer was really keen. She was so lovely to work with. Sadly, she's left now, but she was uh, really amazing. And um, she she thought we'd been going for like years. And we were like, no, three months. <laughs> so then at that point, she was, I think she took, did a double take and she was like, can you actually scale up? Like, you're not just making this in your kitchen in, in that home. <laughs> like we're like no no we do have manufacturers so the one thing another piece of advice we got was um if you do plan on scaling up it's if you can find a manufacturer who will work with you because our first order was 500 units of each product I mean it was tiny um just try and find your manufacturer to work with really quickly because and one that knows how to scale up and deliver to these these um stores because we had to learn stuff about pallets loads this that the other it was I mean there are so many different types of pallets I'm just like thank thank god our manufacturers deal with that for us because I would just be sat there like can I just tip it off the back of my van to your warehouse please and I'll drag it in myself (laughs) I don't know what's going on (laughs) yeah I completely understand and were there a lot of forms to be filled out with Waitrose about your supply chain and where everything came from? Yeah there's a lot of paperwork to go through they really do a good um, solid background check they background check your suppliers they background check your manufacturers Um, the fact that we were sold association certified for the organic body care which we didn't end up launching but even that like they look into and um, there was there was a lot to to go through paperwork wise but again that's why it was we was lucky I think that we started with uh, manufacturers who knew how to scale up because they knew what we even needed to send over to them like what we needed safety data sheet wise and stuff like this which is just things that if we had just started in our kitchen it's it's stuff that I just don't think I would have known I even needed to organize um obviously I could have eventually but yeah at the time it was yeah yeah there's a lot. I remember stuff. filling out that form for Ocado and it was this document of it's like 40 pages long <laughs> and it had to have the a, a floor plan of the manu- of the factory with the fire exits marked in. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you're just like um, so working with like, that, that bit won't be on the on the episode no. uh, but, like you need to know really quite detailed information and working with an exper- an experienced manufacturer definitely yeah, like, helped us yeah it really so is. when it comes to marketing oh one question I want to go back to you mm-hmm. mentioned when you had an angel investor at what stage did you have an angel investor uh, we had the angel investor from pre-launch. They, we um, managed to convince him that this was like a great idea. And and actually, I think it was his wife in the end that was like, yeah, I really want to invest. Like, you should invest. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we got them pre-launch. It was really, really good of them, like um, really taking a chance, actually, because looking back at like the business plan that we presented and stuff, it's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> 
it's like, okay, I studied English, so it's written beautifully, but it's just not a business plan. It's just a really lovely like PowerPoint presentation of ideas. I mean, we're just like, it's just rainbows and unicorns. It's going to be fantastic. Come for the journey. <laughs> so you've definitely grown a huge amount since then yeah our yeah. first like 10 page presentation now they're like 30 something pages and we're like is it long enough is it too long <laughs> yeah. yeah so what's the most important thing then that you've learned about marketing in your particular industry of home cleaning and laundry I think the the marketing for us is it's just to stay honest and transparent because people can so easily just pick something apart and then you get one comment on Facebook and if it sparks people's interest in the wrong way it just like explodes so you just really have to make sure that there's not really anything that you can be picked apart on I think in our industry um, people are because it's still quite niche to go as far as our products and some other products are with the natural and eco-friendly because you do have some on the shelves in the supermarkets but they're not I mean, I don't want to say much, but <laughs> some, some are good and some are greenwashed. And so with us, it's, it's really making sure I think the customer, if they're going to the effort to actually look up and come to your brand, that you really are telling the truth, you're really being honest and that you can give them as much information as possible to make an empowered decision about swapping to something else. Because until then, I mean, until I started research for, for Kin, I didn't even know that there were animal fats in cleaning products and that there's like animal fat in, in fabric softener, which is just disgusting. I didn't even know that. I, I did just, not know yeah. that until now. Yeah, I just assumed cleaning products were vegan. I was just like, why would it not be a vegan cleaning product? And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> there's a lot of gross things in here. <laughs> I had no idea. I just assumed it was chemicals yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hardcore chemicals dyed hot pink don't look friendly no there's uh, there are, there's uh, animal fats a uh, common ingredient for for fabric softener it's, it comes from i think just this bit above i think it's just yeah like just literally i can't remember exactly where it comes from now but it's it's like bunny fat like it's really great wow because i yeah. saw that on your website you mentioned vegan cleaning products and i was like yeah, exactly. Like, are there any non-vegan cleaning products? Yeah, no, we've, we've had a few people ask us that. And it's like, sadly, there are non-vegan products. And you just, it's something you wouldn't even think that you had to look up. So I think. Never, um, I've never thought that. Yeah. So it's also, it's a, with our industry, it's you've got to be prepared to know your stuff, do as much research as you can, because you can't know everything, obviously. But really research as much as you can and, and be happy to educate and talk with the customer because... It's just people like, again, I, I didn't know half of this stuff until I researched. So I can't expect everyone else to. Yeah. yeah. And what did you find the most challenging aspect of all this for you personally? Oh, I think the most challenging for me is well, number one, working from home. So <laughs> that's just staying motivated and sticking to a good routine has been really hard actually, especially since moving to Switzerland. When I'm when I'm here, I just like my fiance would obviously wake up and go off to work. I'd be like, ah, snooze button on the alarm. Here I come. <laughs> so, <laughs> like no one can judge me that I'm in my pajamas at two p.m. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's that's been really challenging. But also, I think it's um, 
sort of raising funds can be quite difficult as well. Sort of knowing how to approach people. Um, so obviously we were lucky, like we got our angel investor, but we did know this person in a social sphere. So we had like an introduction socially already for the angel investor, but like going out for these bigger rounds, it's, it's funny. It's actually not too hard to get into like the huge firms, but then they're like, but you need to turn over X amount of millions. And we're just like, ah, okay, we'll, we'll come back then. <laughs> and it's finding these, the sort of mid when you want to scale a bit, it's actually a very closed world. So getting out there, networking and really knowing who to talk to and things like that. It's, it's been hard, especially sort of being abroad and then splitting my time between London and the U and, and Switzerland. It's been, been a journey. I mean, it's been exciting. There's, there's been some really good contacts made um, and definitely getting mentors and things like that has really helped. But I say those are the most, most challenging aspects for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is there anything then that you would approach differently if you were starting this again today? Would you handle anything differently? I think that what I would handle differently is that um, I would be more flexible at the beginning because, as I said, we launched Kin and we were like, we're solely online and that's all we're going to do is just be an online company in Perla. And then we were like, we didn't really anticipate, which was stupid in the, in the, you know, in the sort of hindsight, but at the end of the day, you just don't know at the beginning. Um, you know, we didn't really anticipate how much time, money and, and expertise we would actually need for that. I mean... I hadn't studied marketing and we did have someone, but she, she had to leave, um, which sucked, but you know, it is what it is. And then we were just kind of like, ah, oh, okay, this is really hard. And, and like, I remember when we put our website live on the evening before we launched, funny enough, when my fiance did the first purchase, it was really underwhelming though. Like we'd done all this time to build this website and you just kind of expect like, okay, it's live. People will find it. <laughs> like, one visitor, my fiance in Canary Wharf. <laughs> Second visitor stepped out in, my, in our village. We were like, okay, how do people find your website? <laughs> so definitely yeah. um, I would just have a, um, you know, we just didn't really have, we knew we, we had a plan, we had an idea, but it wasn't really a strategy, which is something my fiance goes on a lot to me about. It's like strategy, strategy. And I'm like, I have this idea. And he's like, let's strategize it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Scary stuff. <laughs> so uh, I would definitely approach just like a better strategy in place and more flexibility and sort of, yeah, just understanding that it might not happen how you want it to and then to just be able to adapt quickly, which, which, I mean, we, we were forced to because Waitrose, I mean, not forced to, it was a good thing, but Waitrose came to us. So it um, forced our hands to adapt, I think, quicker than we would have um, without that opportunity, because I think without it, we would have stumbled along for a lot longer trying to just do it the way we'd envisaged. And then, yeah, um, yeah I said envisaged really weirdly just then. <laughs> Do you have any other stockists or are you exclusively with Harrods and Waitrose? So we only had Harrods for a little bit. Um, it's just the nature of these these stores. Um, but otherwise, we've got Waitrose and we're in Ocado. We went into Ocado, I think it was the beginning of last year or the end of the year before. Oh, no, no actually, no, we were talking to them from the end of, of the 2018. So it was 2019 we actually launched with them. Um and then we have sort of we have sort of smaller stockists. We work with smaller stores. I think we're about to go into. Um, we've got I think Bailey and Sage, which is those lovely little stores in London. Uh, Planet Organic Living Online, 
and uh yeah just uh, from there it's sort of been smaller stores we've got a few stockists as well in sort of the scandy countries and um we keep getting people reach out to us from asia but we're just i don't think we're ready i mean we would like to but it's a different kettle of fish going out there so and we want to make yeah. sure we do it properly so <laughs> that's what i'm going to ask you next when it comes to going international do you have to change what you're compliant with would you have to have a different formula if you were to be carried in the u.s for example so we so with the u.s actually we weren't entirely sure how it worked to start with we knew the body care would be fine because my uncle's company that uh, in the 80s and 90s actually used to sell it there anyway so we knew that it would aside from updating it to remove some ingredients that you you couldn't not have back in the day um, we knew that that would be fine but then we found out from someone that you have to be i think it's prop Prop 45 or Prop 65? Oh, God, I can't remember exactly what it is. But um, it's a particular form of compliance, which it's it's quite strict in California. But if your products meet that, then you're actually fine for the rest of the states because they have the strictest sort of compliance. So we found out that our products do, do reach this criteria. But then in terms of actually getting it out to the US, for instance, I mean, it's just it's so expensive. We can't manufacture in the UK and then just, I mean, also manufacturing it here and shipping it halfway around the world is not very eco-friendly. So, so um, yeah. Yeah. So we, I think we would have to look into actually moving operations there for that specific um, market. And I think it would be the same with, with going to Asia because it's just also with, with trying to be eco-friendly and lower the carbon footprint. I mean, you just moving all the stuff all over the place. It, it just becomes... Well, it just knocks out part of the reason of being eco-friendly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what would be your advice to somebody who wants to start a business in this industry now? What would you tell them? What would you tell them? I would say just be prepared to go down an absolute Google spiral and research as much as you can and also go to as many trade shows as possible that and they seem so boring when you look them up online like a manufacturing trade show packaging trade show they exist and they're not actually boring when you get there you can learn a huge amount and it's really interesting like I mean even this thing with plastic what I've learned about plastic and the difference between like PCR biopolymers and stuff like this is just I would never have known these things if I was even just sitting on Google, but going and actually talking to a factory about it, it's completely different. So, and they're free to go to a lot of them, or you can sign up and get free tickets or they're like 20 pounds. So, and you can just learn so much. So I would really recommend, yeah, just getting out there and yeah, trade shows. We went to so many trade shows, sort of like going in and people were like, what are you? We're just like, uh, looking currently (laughs) just window shopping. (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you very, very much for sharing all that incredibly valuable information. That sort of practical information that you've given is so incredibly useful and so rare to actually hear that from somebody who's out there doing it and is now sharing that sort of step by step information and advice. So thank you so much. I'm really, really grateful to you for all of that. Well, thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review.